Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, Nathan, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Drew. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, buddy. So tell me this. How did we, how did you, not we, I guess I wasn't there, but how did you get into this line of work? How did you start this company? Uh, I think kind of since birth, I was, uh, I always liked being around people. I, I guess it started at my grandfather's garage sales. I, I would usually work the crowd and he, he said that I was the crusher for his garage sale. So I would join him on that. Um, I come from a, a third generation in, in sales, uh, real estate sales within my family. So it's, it's kind of surrounded around it uh, my entire lifetime. Um, what it really started is after college, I uh, took off. I had a dream to be a snowboard bum for at least a year. Uh, being in Florida, we always loved the opposite. So I grew up you know, going skiing on a family trip once a year. I moved to Lake Tahoe after school and nice. uh, did exactly that. Had a uh, completely broke, uh, but had two season passes and that's all I need. Boarded every day. And um, I met a gentleman there. I was teching him and his skis for his family. Uh, he recognized that my name tag was from Destin, Florida. And uh, he vacationed there before. So he, we were kind of just you know, goofing off and, and got to know his family. And um, I told him one day, you know, maybe a year or two out, I was going to go back there and be in real estate. Um, and I would love for him to be my first customer whenever he tried to, decided to buy down the road. And uh, he gave me his card, uh, held it for a year. And I called him uh, on the ride in the U-Haul on the way home. Uh, and he ended up being my first customer. And until this day, he's probably referred me a good 40 to 50 plus people uh, in, my, in my lifetime. That's that's a that's a uh, fortuitous relationship you 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 stumbled on there, right? Well, I think it's all about the relationship business, you know, and sales in general. It's not trying to sell people; it's trying to connect with people and yeah, being real about your approach. Yeah. So you were two years in Lake Tahoe, which is unbelievable, one of the more beautiful places uh, in the world. And did you already know, hey, whenever this time is done, I'm going to go into real estate, or did that emerge? kind of during your time there is something you wanted to do? Um, I, I knew I, I always loved sales. I had a degree in general management, um, but I real estate was definitely uh, on my mind. Um, I felt that that'd be a good career fit for me. And I looked at it in Lake Tahoe, but realized the native roots I had uh, back home. And uh, essentially I'm a, a huge fan uh, of our area. I think we're the one of the most beautiful vacation destinations in the world. And, uh, essentially that, that, that was, uh, what brought me back. Yeah. <clears throat> so you get back and what is that first year like for you stepping into that business? Uh, chaotic. Uh, it was kind of the transition from no technology to the beginning of technology. And uh, a lot of things that I watched from, from my family, my father have were completely transitioned on, on, on how the real estate business looked. He sold, uh, our family business about three years prior to me getting into real estate. And, um, you know, we didn't have online leads and CRMs. I mean, we just basically just got the, uh, the I, you know, a, a smartphone uh, right about that time. Um, so I just started writing down anyone that I've known in my lifetime that may be someone that I could introduce myself to and as my career path. And it, it started off being um, with a gentleman I know it was his 85 year old mother. Uh, I was sweeping her porch, helping her with errands you know, just reaching out to anyone that I could. She just listed her property with me. And that was kind of the beginning. She was my very first. Uh, my The guy I met in Mississippi came down shortly after. And uh, that's really where the 
career started, got him in property as well. And, and, and it's been off to the, the races from there. Man. So you actually made, uh, I say that because a lot of people know that's the right first step, but don't actually do it. But you made a list of who I, who I know. And then what was that reaching out like? Is it, is it saying, Hey, do you have a realtor? Are you looking for one? Is it, Hey, just want to update you on what I'm doing. W what did that look like? And how did you do it in a way that felt good to you? Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they just they try to sell people. And and I know that, you know, that's that's I don't like to be sold. I don't think anybody likes to be sold. And so it was just a reconnection. It was like, you know, hey, I've you know, you've been in my life. I just wanted to share with you uh, the direction that I'm heading. I'm, I'm really passionate about, you know, getting into this business to be able to connect people to my native home that I love. And you know, you know, I've been here my whole life and I just wanted to be that person if I can ever help you with anything down here, uh, um, specifically related to real estate or if I can be a helping hand uh, any way that you need me to be. I, I came from the old school. It's like show up and, you know, take out the trash every day and, and, and scrub floors if you have to, to get that, uh, get that entry position. And so by reaching out to those people, it was just like I gave, I was an open book. I was like, you know, I'm new, I'm hungry. I may mm -hmm. not know, I may not be the seasoned agent, but I can promise you, if you give me a chance, I'm going to show up for you uh, like no one else has before because I'm that committed. Um, and that really, um, it was just, you know, making those connections. I think a lot of people in real estate, they have this vision that they become a real estate agent and it's this job that just the business comes to them. And it just, it's, it's life is not like that. Yeah. It's a very feast or famine and mostly a famine kind of business if you just wait for stuff to come to you, right? That's right. It's also interesting just in sales, I'd love your perspective on this. There's been a lot of efficiency and maybe acceleration due to technology, right? right? So like you said, with HubSpot, with CRMs, with Salesforce, with different ways of tracking and, and, and LinkedIn campaigns and all that kind of stuff. We can be a little more efficient, we can accelerate. But I've also often seen the mistake that people think it can, it can shortcut mm -hmm. the original stuff, like the things that just actually work forming relationships and your your attitude and patience and really bringing value to people before asking for value have you seen that as well that like we're kind of getting away from sometimes the the stuff that really we know to do best yeah i think uh, technology can be a, a gift and a curse um you know i it it amazed me uh, the other day and this is off the record from real estate but i had a friend of mine he's in his 40s and he was going on a date and a girl in her late 20s and uh, she said, you know, my friends were so impressed that you called me to ask me out on the date on the phone. <laughs> I said, well, well, how else am I supposed to do that? And she says, well, it's usually through an app. And wow. it just was a reality check that like the personal connection first is being missed. And I feel blessed that I was in a time, you know, I'm 44, um, but it was in that transitional time from the 90s to the 2000s that um, you were used to forming real relationships before trying to push the tech relationships. And uh, I feel that's always been kind of my mantra is that, you know, I want to be a true connection, an in-person connection, a communication and use the tech to help highlight keeping in front of them and keeping them engaged, but not to replace the that's personal it. interaction. Yeah, that's it, man. Like, again, I'm 36. So very similar or when technology came into my life, it was an enhancement. Yes. It was, there was already 
there was already relationships with people, right? Like long hours spent on the phone or in person or whatever. And now you had this way for more uh, quick connection. Hey, meet me at the store or meet me at the game or whatever. But it didn't replace anything. It was no. just something that was added into. But if you grew up just with the technology, it often started as a replacement where right. you've only interacted with these people through text message. You've only interacted with them through instant messenger. Well, even that's gone, but DMs, right? Like direct messages or whatever. And that is a bass backwards way of forming relationships. Yeah, and I tell people on our team, our agents on our team that are newer to our team or season, use the text to push the conversation. Like don't use the text to replace the conversation. I know that people are reactive more to text because they're busy and they, they can answer to that more than taking a phone call. Like, you know, for instance, I don't really voicemail and stuff like that. It usually gets filled and, and, and people aren't in the habit of using that as much. So I've had to train our, our own agents to just say like, listen, the text will never replace the communication conversion. So yeah. use the text to get them on the phone, but use it for that so that you can actually engage because once you get on the phone with them, it's not what type of property you want or what do you want to buy? It's like, Hey, thanks so much for being in our search site. What has motivated you to start searching in our area to begin with? It's just taking it back from the sales process, mm. uh, becoming interested in them before you can become interesting. I had a friend of mine tell me that a, a while back and it really hit home. We all try to portray how interesting we are before taking the time to be truly be interested in that person. And when you can be, it breaks out, out the sales funnel in a different way. It's, it's, man, this person actually gives a damn about who I am and what my motivation is and what I want versus just going straight into the punch of what type of property do you want to buy from me? Mm. Uh, and I think we can relate that if you're like, you know, approach someone brand new in a restaurant or entertainment spot that you are, how are you going to approach that conversation? Is it going to walk up and say, hey, man, I'm Nathan. Can I, what type of property do you want? It's just not reality. Yeah. But yet the sales funnel process has turned into that so many times is that they just try to sell, sell, sell before having the initial connection that even is deserving uh, of a sale with that customer. Yeah. What does, what does your sales process look like? Where at this point, where, how do you, how do you capture or generate new leads? What are you training your people to do? Like what is kind of the, the uh, arc of engagement look like in the early part of the sales process? Well, for me um, personally, it was just to be a true connector to this coast, um, to be a true local connection. We have a lot of people, I'd say 80% of our business is coming from out of state. Uh, a lot of our customers that have been introduced to this area have been simply me being at a mastermind or event and, and to share how beautiful our beach is. Like, I'm not trying to sell them. I'm just sharing with them, man, have you ever heard of Destin, Florida or Santa Rosa Beach? And we've been kind of this untapped spot that's now being pushed nationally. And uh, they're like, man, I've never heard of that before. And I show them a picture, the area speaks for itself. And then I'm like, man, you should really come down and just check the place out. I'd love to be your guide uh, for, they call this area, the Emerald Coast for everything Emerald Coast. And, and it's not, it's not even about the sales process. It's about me being excited to share with them my native home. And so when most of our customers that are calling in, we have, you know, online leads and different marketing that we're doing to create the initial attraction. Um, but to have that process start of truly by motivation, you know, and, and, and it's all about, uh, to me, breaking through a defense mechanism because every, everyone has a natural defense mechanism and it's usually like, I'm good. I'm just browsing. Right. And it's usually yeah. like, if you go to get a pair of jeans or you go to a store or whatever it may be, the initial reaction, even though you need the help, 
is, hey, can I help you with anything today? Oh, no, man, I'm just browsing. I'm just looking, right? And so understanding that it's not a personal, you know, I don't want to talk to you because there's a reason why they're in our websites, but you got to have the right communication skills to break through that barrier to say, hey, I get you. You know, I'm not here to push the property on you. I'm just someone that I'm trying to build a relationship with you so that I can come become a true local connection for you so far beyond real estate. I want to be that person you think of for everything Emerald Coast. This is my native home. Most of the people on our team are natives to the area. How can I best serve you? And I just really want to get to know you a little bit so that I have earned that spot to even be in this role for you. Yeah. Uh, just taking back the pressure of the sale and focus on just meeting a, a new friend or a new person like you would at a concert or um, and, and then I also think right now in today's time is tapping into what everyone's experiencing. I mean, this COVID and crazy chaos has been a national thing. You know, everyone has a story has been affected one way or the other. So there, we all have a common ground to talk. And I find when you break through that barrier, everything changes with the opportunity to, to find that person a, a property in our area, because that's just part of the story that they're trying to escape from or you know, an outlet to have with their families on the beach. A lot of people have been maneuvering to the mountains and the beaches for that, you know, that release of what we've all been facing the past couple of years. Yeah. Well, I want to keep the conversation just on sales for a minute because I've found it to be in general, if you were to take a, a, a wide view of business, it is one of the dip, more difficult things to really be good at. Yet when you are good at it, it is obviously the lifeblood of your business, right? Because it's, actually connecting you to customers and revenue and you can grow, but it's very difficult. And you've already mentioned one of the keys is being really relaxing and, and, and prioritizing the relationship and not forcing the sale. Are there anything else that come to mind that you think daily about maybe as you think of other people trying to be in sales in some degree that they're missing or misstepping or just don't know to be doing that would be you know helpful for them? Yeah, so everyone tries to find a secret formula uh, I think the formula is you just show up when, when no one else will, um, mm. you know, you gotta, you gotta deliver that action, you know, a, a good conversation or relationship only goes so far if your action drops the buck of what your intentions are. Um, and so, you know, I, to me, uh, you gotta want it more than the competition. You know, there's people wanting to take your job every single day in sales. And the difference maker is, are you going to show up and are you going to put in the work and, you know, in order to have some better cruise controls long-term, you got to really put in the work on the front end to get to that space and then start hiring the right people to come in that hopefully will elevate it beyond what you even did. Uh, and, and so that you get replaced on even a higher regard with each hire that you have. So, um, but I think it's just drive. You know, we do a lot of evaluation before we bring an agent in um, that has nothing to do with the sales process, but it has to do with how driven you are as a person. Mm. Uh, what is your need for achievement in your life? Uh, you know, do you want to win? Uh, or are you just going to be, you know, lackadaisical in your approach? And uh, so our entire team is built off of culture. Or I, I, don't I don't have an issue having a newer agent join us as long as they have the cultural fit that they uh, want to be supportive of the people that they're working with and they want to show up to win for their customer and just win in life in general. And if that person is not naturally that person, our all of our valuations will uncover that. And it's not a personal, you know, not a personal attack of why I didn't bring them on, but it's just a, some people right really fit. want it. Some people really want it. 
some people pretend to want it and that's really the main difference in sales yeah how do how do you evaluate potential new agents uh, we have uh, uh, it was turned on to me a few years ago there's a company called sales drive uh, it's really cool it, um, it basically determines of whether someone's a hunter or a farmer uh, and the sales process both can be great hunters are really good at collecting new opportunities but they're not as good as follow-up uh, a farmer is not as good in connecting with a new lead, but they're very good in cultivating ones that they have that turns into repeat business. So we try to have a collection of both. Um, it answers it through the evaluation. It's almost like a deposition in a way that by the end, if they weren't answering their answers, answering the questions consistently, they'll recognize that that person was fudging those answers to try to sound like how you they thought that you wanted to see it. And then yeah. it got got twisted because you can only keep, you can't get the lie to match uh, over a series <laughs> of questions. And so that's a, a, an immediate kind of um, no, no go for us because our number one uh, thing, our number one um, core value is to keep it real. You know, we want people to have the freedom to truly be themselves, not have to put on an image or portray an image to fit in with our team. You know, what you see is what you get. And we, and we treat our customers that way too. It's like, you know, I'm not trying to give, we're not trying to do a sales like pitch or persona. Say the right thing. We're just like, this is us, you know? And like, you know, we're going to find our tribe of people that connect with us well, and we're going to have an amazing life together in this business and through real estate and in life. But, you know, it's okay if we don't, there's going to be some better home out there for you that does. And um, I think it, you know, being real to yourself is uh, a challenge that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, but it's the ultimate, I think, path to a, a great sales process and and freedom, really. For sure. As you look at the, as you look at the overall journey you've been on in building this business from where it started to where it is today, can you think of any meaningful milestones that you hit that were important? Like, man, that was maybe it was the first hire. Maybe it was when we added this element to the business. Like, what were some of the things that you think really helped you scale to the? I mean, because most people are happy if they can just have a personal uh, real estate business that takes care of their needs and wants. It's another thing to build it beyond that. We have a team of real estate agents and maybe some internal hires. Like that's a whole different level of scale. What right. were some of those meaningful milestones or moments that have helped propel you to where you are today? Well, so in the beginning, um, my father was a good guidance to me and uh, said that, you know, you're probably not going to make much your first year in real estate. So just be keep your ears open and your mouth shut and and and, and do the work. And so I, I came on underneath a woman that her name was Ann. And um, I was kind of just like her her side piece to do all of her busy work, you know, plug in the stuff that no one wants to do. But I was honored to do it because I'm like, man, this is going to help me learn. I was waiting tables at night. Uh, my milestone was when I got a couple of deals under my belt just through through grind to get it. And then the, when I was able to hang up that other position to say, this is going to be my full-time position. That was when the, the light bulb came off because came on, sorry, uh, because a lot of people think this is like a part-time business. You cannot perform on the level that you need to perform to survive if you're doing this part-time. So that was mm -hmm. my number one piece. I got to take on two jobs because one's paying the bills today. One's going to pay the bills of my future. And uh, that pivot of I'm, I'm free of this double job scenario um, was a huge piece. Um, and then from there, really, it came down to your first deal because you're, that, that first contract, first deal, it makes you a believer that I can do another one of these. 
Uh, and it, and I think at times just breaking through your own mental barriers of what you think is not possible becomes reality. And then you realize, okay, I can do that again. And it's going from your path of entry level real estate to luxury real estate to ultra luxury real estate, which I've fortunately been in the path of all three. But it's just a lot of times breaking your own limited beliefs that you can do that. Um, you know, uh, my first luxury property, um, I wasn't focused on just luxury, I was focused on our entire market. But when I broke through that barrier, it was like, I can do this as good as anybody can in this space. And it just opened up a whole nother layer and it continued to do that throughout my career. So um, I think it's just picking a target of what you want to achieve and do a, you know, do a target uh, and a goal that's achievable. You know, I, I think that, you know, making your goals smaller instead of doing an annual goal, break that down to a, a quarterly goal, to a monthly goal, to a weekly goal, to a daily goal. And it's, it's just showing up for those pieces that are chiseling away to get to that bigger piece. But I think a lot of times we're like, hey, I want to make 100K. But they have no game plan of what they got to do to get there. Yeah. And that so gap, that gap between where they are and that really big goal, at first is inspiring because it's just an imagination. You're like, yeah, it would be amazing to have – you know, make $100,000 from real estate this year. But then when you go to work the next day, you feel like you're 10 miles, 100 miles away from that and you're discouraged, right? But if you break it down, well, what would that look like in three months to be on track for that? What would that look like this month to be on track for that? Then you start having these next steps, right? Mm -hmm. Like I could do that. I could make two more dials. I could increase my network. I could get my first sale. Like that kind of thing. Is that is that kind of what you mean by breaking yeah. it down into smaller goals? Yeah, I've carried that on throughout you know, my career path, like now it's growing our business, right? It was, you know, living in a state of fear that, man, I, I don't, I can grow, but I don't want to grow too much because the fear of continuing to add those responsibilities until uh, you just have to make the decision. Are you going to make that next leap or not? You don't have to have the perfect plan to make the leap. You have one decision to make. Are you going to make that next step? And if you do, all the other pieces will iron themselves out. And a lot of times it's failing forward, mm -hmm. tripping on yourself and realizing, man, that really sucked. I didn't do it good that time. How do I tweak some things to make that better? And um, a lot of people ask, you know, how, how do you find the success that you're doing in real estate? Man, I tried everything. Like I failed forward a lot. And, and, you know, I learned more stuff from the deals that didn't happen than the ones that ever did, because that's what made me pivot in my approach to, try to do it better the next round. And then I'd always ask the customer, hey, you know, I would have loved to have been the person to serve you. You know, I'm all about keeping it real. Would you please just share with me what I could have done better to achieve that result with you? And they would tell me because they were kind of like, wow, this is a different approach. And a lot of those people that I would approach, they knew I really cared about getting better, that they came back to me later in my career and said, man, that was impressive that you just hit that head on by losing the deal I earned you know, more trust and faith in you by how you approach losing the deal than if you may have achieved the deal. And I think, I think that's where that realness really has helped us and digging deeper when it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I'd love to talk about the mindset as well. And you mentioned limiting beliefs, you know, it's a somewhat of a buzzword, the idea of, you know, Carol Dweck and her book mindset uh, popularized a lot of it, but then you just see you know, all, you know, the Ed Milets and the Tony Robbins and whoever are, are on to something with that. But for the vast majority of us, it's just a buzzword and not many people actually really consider the implications of things like that. So for you, talk to me about limiting beliefs. What does that mean to you? 
how have you recognized them? And then what does it look like to be on the other side of them? It's just a mental block of progression because you don't feel that you size up to that opportunity. Um, mm. I guess what helped me break through that is always trying to surround myself around people that were doing it bigger and better than I was. Um, you know, I always try to find a place where I could be the dumbest one in the room. And that's when I knew I was in the right spot. And I'm not being afraid to reach out to people sincerely that haven't been influential to you. So it's like, you know, some of the relationships, a lot of the relationships about the day is just being a sponge. Like, man, like what you said today at this event, it, it really inspired me. And, um, you know, I would just hit it with a very real conversation. Like, and it always come back to my hometown, man, I would love for you to come check out my home spot. I think you would love it down there. Bring your family for a vacation. And there are so many layers that that have, you know what, this guy really loves his area. He's passionate about his area. And let me come down and check out his area. And then there's relationships continue to build and um, limited beliefs are just your own mind holding you back from your true potential. And I've, I, you know, I've gotten coaches throughout my life. I put myself in, I've traveled all over the country to put myself around people doing it better than I was, as mentioned. Um, and, and when I see their path and they discuss their, how they got there, it's like, okay, well, you know, we were in the same place in a way. They just surrounded themselves around the right people that also helped them break out of that uh, that belief that they couldn't be in that realm. And uh, once you start get, once you start channeling your mind like that, I, I use it as a challenge. Like, okay, I'm feeling this way. What? Where do I need to put myself to put myself in the best position to break through that limited mindset that that may be above where where I'm at or where I'm trying to achieve at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, that's so well said. You know, I love that idea. It sounds like you're saying when you notice yourself getting caught in some kind of limiting belief, are you attacking that by some kind of action? Saying like, so what would be what would be a step I could take that would break me free from that thinking? Exactly. So like, I mean, we just hired a director of operations. It's the most expensive hire I've ever had. Uh, he has a you know, 15 year career with Coca-Cola, you know, 100 managed 140 people. I wasn't in a position previously to even think in that realm that I'd be willing to pay someone on the level it would take to get rock star talent. And so my coach was like, listen, you got to show up. You're not, if you try to hire someone just to pay the replace the bill that you're paying them, you're never going to break through to that next realm. And so even something like that, reaching out to someone that was a much bigger business owner than I have been in the past and say, man, what's your suggestion? Like, I'm just having a, I find myself having a roadblock here and like, mm you know, af afraid to spend this type of salary on someone. And he, he's, he's like, you know, you'll, that'll be determined in the first 90 days if that salary is worth what you're paying. And I think that this guy is, I think you need to take the leap. And if you don't, you're always going to be the one where, or how the one that, that one of the ones having to handle everything versus hiring people that can replace you so that you can focus on your ultimate gift and that's the connection and the vision and the pieces, but who is, who's going to help you implement that. And that was, I mean, little things like that, even with growing a team, Oh, I don't know if I can afford that admin or that, you know, giving off my deals to someone else. And um, I've always been a huge producer of my business. You know, that that's a hard place to be when you're, you know, like even two years ago, I was a third of production of our entire business mm. and I was getting in my own way because I was not trusting of other people to be able to handle that customer. Now, when that handoff comes, it's like, man, like I'm here for you, but I got someone that's going to be here for you on the daily 
and I can help them in a much better realm. And it's been very well received from our customers. So once I started getting out of my own way, that's when the magic started. I pulled myself more into a business role to help them win for our customers, which helps me win. And our, and our production doubled in a year by doing that with me out of, you know, with me not being the main source of production for our team. Wow. We've heard that a lot on the podcast, especially in the, in the kind of business that is somewhat uh, relationship-based or maybe service-based, where often the business got to where it got because of someone like you. And it's like, we couldn't have gotten here without me going out and landing the deals and executing on them and serving the customer well. But then that eventually becomes a choke point where the business can't really grow beyond that until you figure out how to replace yourself. Right. right. And you started to do that. And that, you know, my, my co-founder talks about it this way as well, going from the expert to the business owner mm -hmm. where I need to stop being the expert in this moment. I need to have my team become experts and we just become the business owners. Right. And that is a huge shift, but it's scary too. Did you feel a little bit of that fear and that like, Oh man, I'm not used to giving that away. Right. I'm used to doing that myself. For sure, because you're just counting the dollars of that immediate deal, right? But then when you can hand that deal off to someone and see them shine, guess what? They do more deals like that. I have a girl on my team. She never did more than about, you know, I think 700000 was her higher, highest price point. Uh, she connected with one of our customers that was in a $2.5 million range. And, you know, naturally it's like, oh, that's my personal customer. I got to make sure that this works right. But I said, you know what? why don't we do this together so you can be in a real life setting of how we convert this and I'm going to do split this deal with you. And uh, she's like, Oh, would you do that? Well, she can, we converted that two and a half million dollar deal. It was a tough deal, but guess what? She's gone on to close four more since Whoa. on her own through what she learned in that path. And that's when I'm, and I was more empowered by her growth than me making the sale. Cause it's not, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't take the money with you, but you can take the impact you deliver to other people. And um, it, it, it opens your eyes to reality when you lose someone close unexpectedly or different things that happen is that, you know, your legacy is built off of impacting others more than just putting the most dollars in the bank. And guess what? If you impact a lot more people and you make more people to be in leadership roles, ultimately your business is going to thrive. And then they're all winning in that process too. And so... I think a lot of it just came down to believing in other people. And, and there's a fear too that agents could use that against you. Oh, he's not really in the production as high as heavy anymore. Um, but with my customers, I'm finding I'm having better conversations because it's business owner to business owner. And it's like, listen, I want to make sure that you're positioned to have an incredible experience. And I'm right here for you the entire time as well. But let me plug you in with how our process is. I think you're going to have a better experience. And then our conversations become more uh, in depth about yeah. what their long-term vision is versus being in the day-to-day -day sales process of that, of what they're achieving, wanting to achieve today versus the longer trajectory of, of what the end goal is. And so those conversations, I think as a business owner, just be able to be, allow you to be a better rainmaker for your team and also to provide a better service for them because one, you know, you can't do it all yourself. Yeah. Well, a lot of what we've talked about, is also the growth that you've been on personally in order to keep growing yourself as your business is growing uh, and how you're developing. You mentioned some coaching, you mentioned uh, maybe even a mastermind. Can you talk to me about that, the resources that have been helpful to you to grow personally to keep being able to lead your business? Sure. So, I mean, we're in, the, we're in a small beach town, you know, in Florida. So 
I would go out to California and New York and all these different places. And, you know, as tech started coming into our industry, uh, I would go out there and bring something back that I learned. It was never bring back everything I learned, but I would just pick the one thing. Every event I'd go to, I was like, I want to find the one thing that if I apply that, I want to have that applied before the next event I go to versus trying to apply it all versus you end up doing a little bit of everything and, and never really completing. So I come bring something back to our market. They thought I was a wizard. I was just <laughs> repeating, you know, what was working in other places that weren't introduced to our area before. And then I go, well, how, how are you, how'd you pick that system? It's like, man, I'm just talking to people that it's working for that are producing on a higher level than I am. And I figured, Hey, if I can reach out to them and, and that's allowed them to grow, uh, I can apply that into my business and, and that'll be that next layer that we can grow into as well. So, um, you know, and then it, when coaching comes uh, into play, it's, you know, it's, it's just having, not being fearful to reach out to people who inspire you. I mean, ultimately that's what it is because, you know, me having the honor to speak on your podcast, you know, there's been so many that I've listened to as well. And this is just like the next layer of, of where I want to pay that forward for things that I'm learning too. But it's just been a collection of relationships that have helped me with my business. It's been um, asking uh, for, you know, to speaking to people say, man, I really need some guidance here. I don't know where to make the next step. Yeah. Um, it's to be, it's to treat other people that are competitors in your workplace as your best customer. I think that is what people miss all the time. They get this cutthroat tactic. You know, the reason why our business is growing is because we have an exceptional brand in our local marketplace. So like if someone's speaking with someone and asking about our team or our business or who we're at, they're like, I've had so many people say, you know, one thing that was most impressive to, to us is that we never heard one person through us doing research on you and your company say something bad about your company. I said, well, you know why that is, is because we treat them in a way that we would hope to be treated. I'm not mm. a cutthroat agent. We've lost deals at times of being a, from not being a cutthroat agent, but at the same time, uh, holding my integrity in that brand and uh, just being there for other people in our marketplace, being there for local business owners. Where do you think your referrals come through? It's, it's helping someone get exposure for their business through your business not asking for something in return, but ultimately that happens. So, you know, I think it's just having a mindset of abundance and um, not being afraid to reach out to talent that is in your local marketplace and look at them as, man, if we can all help each other to get better in our craft, we're all going to achieve bigger results versus like, oh man, don't look at my stuff or, you know, yeah. um, I think just the level of sharing has gotten broader. And I started realizing that when you start looking into the top 1% within your industry, they're the biggest sharers of all because they've gotten past that path and say, you know what, there's enough business going on for everyone. And not everyone is going to behave like you're going to, to make that happen. And they're not fearful if they share an idea with me that I'm going to take their business from them because I'm not thinking that way either. I'm like, man, that's an awesome, Hey man, let me share something with you. That's been working for me. Totally. I think it's a level of trust is when you can find other people that are also in um, that abundance mindset is when the magic really starts to happen. Yeah, so, so well said. And even just psychologically, when we find ourselves in a self-protective, scarce mindset, we just usually make decisions that make things worse. Yes. That's just typically how it happens. If I'm overly consumed about my needs, my worries oh, there's a small piece of the pie and we're all fighting for it, which one is just a logical fallacy. 
That's just not the case. There is more than enough economic business for for most of us in whatever industry we're in. Sure. But you just don't make smart big – you don't make long-term – I love like Simon Sinek talking about the infinite game, that the most successful companies are playing the infinite game. They're, right. they're beyond even abundance. They're thinking like this game never ends. There is no winning. There is no like, oh, Amazon won the game. There's no more competitors. They're dominating the game right now. Mm-hmm. But there's always room for a competitor. Oh, it, yeah. You know, if leadership doesn't transition well, if Bezos doesn't transition well at some point, like they can fall off the map. You have to play the long game. Relationships are the long game. Integrity is the long game. Win-win scenarios like you're talking about, like being generous and being willing to give, no one will come back to you. And those are the smart ones that feel almost, not quite, but almost foolish in the moment, right. but end up looking really wise in the long term, right? Yeah. I think the minute you think you know it all, you lost everything. Yes. I mean, yes. business is changing every day. You got to be adaptable. If you're, if you're stuck in your ways because of pride, uh, you're going to lose typically on the long game. And so I've seen so many people like, I'm not going to make that transition or I'm not going to do that because, you know, my company is better than your company and vice versa. But it's like, well, are you growing? You know, are things moving forward? Is your production growing? Is your, are your people growing? How's your retention yeah. You know, and, and, and if things are threatening that, be prepared to adapt to step into that new realm of what may create better long-term securities for your company. Yeah, especially in my industry, man. Like, so I told you this off the podcast, but we, we are coaches, right? So we come in and we're doing expertise type things, but I reject wholeheartedly the thought or the title of an expert because the moment you even internally say, yeah, I'm an expert in whatever subject, in real estate or whatever, You've started to be outdated That's right. th- because you've capped yourself off. If you think you're an expert, you don't have the beginner's mind anymore. You are right. not open to learning and growing, and everything is doing that without you. <laughs> it's like the world's not stopping expanding because you stopped expanding. That's it right. just goes without you. And so we have to, as business owners, as fathers, husbands, wives, whatever, like we have to remain in a place where, sure, I want expertise. That's skill set. Skill set mm-hmm. is you knowing that I'm proficient at what I do. But I will not adopt that that expert mentality, even though it feels really nice, you know, because you can put whatever you want on your LinkedIn profile. Sure. <laughs> you, can, you can put whatever you want on your freaking business card. You can call yourself the guru of all gurus. It doesn't mean shit, right? What matters is what are you learning and how can you contribute value in an ongoing way? Yeah, I mean, you see agents that they move to a certain place and like, hey, I'm a, I'm a luxury agent or I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a this. And like, and like putting your title on something that, that doesn't come naturally. Like, uh, you know, the wealthiest people in the world that I've, well, my wealthiest customers, they're not here to try to tell you that they're wealthy. Yes. You know, they're usually the quietest ones in the room and they're methodical about their approach, but they're not here to share with you. Hey, you know, I'm a millionaire or, <laughs> you know, I had a lady, I heard a lady say one time a front desk woman and, and I had to correct her because she was just belittling this girl and she says, Hey, you must not know how to speak with millionaires, do you? And I was like, man, like, I don't know what train you're on, but it sounds like it's the wrong one because mm-hmm. for you to belittle her because she doesn't know how to talk to you to envision how you're supposed to talk to a millionaire. To be honest with you, I haven't, the, the most strategic millionaires I've met or billionaires that I've met were never trying to tell someone that they're a millionaire. And she, and she, and she kind of stopped for a second. And the girl afterwards said, thank you so much for having my back. I'm like, well, that's just BS. Like 
people yeah. get trapped in this place like i'm better than you and and you never know who that person is right behind you that's going to about to explode and and pass you right by because you were too close-minded to realize that um it's a people game and it's uh it's it's not being not being too prideful either to ask other people for help i think that so was good. a big big pivot for me it's just like man i need help I'm not less of a business owner by asking for it. I'm more of a business owner by asking for it from other people that have exceeded beyond where I'm at in my career path and not comparing myself to them, but just to reach out and say, man, I like what you're doing. Would you mind taking some time to, to help me understand how I could break through this place I'm at right now to get to that next step? And they're, using so, honor, they're using honor to reply. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, again, it's already difficult what you're doing. Any business owner, life in general is, is difficult. And we're all navigating in many ways the unknown, and we're navigating it often alone. But what if we could eliminate some of that? What if we could eliminate doing it alone? That's being vulnerable. That's inviting a team in, or that's inviting a mentor in, or whatever. Now you're not alone, which that's the hardest part. We almost we, we almost uh, created a website just for fun called thelonelyleader.com. Right. Like, I don't know if this is going to be like a dating site for leaders or what, but like every leader we talk to just feels isolated. You know, even inside their own business, like no one understands fully the weight I'm carrying or the decisions I'm faced with. Every time you choose to bring someone in, you're no longer alone. But the second lack of clarity starts to dissolve some as well because someone's been there. Right. Maybe not in your exact shoes, but they've got some kind of perspective that brings some light into what feels dark. And now you're not bumping into shit in the dark anymore because you could see it a little clearer. Right. And so you've accelerated yourself, you've accelerated business just by not being closed off to the world or the resources that are available. Yeah, it's kind of that it has a nice frame to it. You don't have to be lonely at leaders.com. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, we were like, this is hilarious. I mean, we, we just had so much fun. Again, it was during the pandemic when we were just kicking ideas around. Like, what hilarious things could we start during the pandemic? And one was lonelyleaders.com. Like, all right, maybe this is a way. They're too busy <laughs> that they need dating. Or we, we even talked about dropping a puppy off uh, for the weekend, but then you take right. it back. You take it back during the weekdays. And we're like, sure. yeah, you only need this puppy for the weekend when you're home, and then we'll take it back and care for you in the week. Um, but it was just it was more just us having fun with the idea of what we're seeing, which is how many people just feel lonely and isolated, especially in the pandemic, right? Oh, yeah, look at the look at the pivots that we've made so quickly, which I think we're coming already. But, I mean, even with us having this meeting on Zoom, right? Yeah. I never use Zoom. It's a part of my daily operation, uh, you know, virtual communication. And with our team, we have a, a, about 40 people on our team. We have a Tuesday team meeting where we all get on Zoom. And it's just like a connection piece for us uh, to kind of start our week off right. But it's, um, yeah, things pivot quickly. And if you're not willing to make that pivot with wherever your world is heading, you get behind the times really quickly. And that's where Absolutely. that adaptability comes into play. As I, I mentioned earlier, you got to be willing to adapt uh, your way of thinking, the way you're doing things to be able to be prevalent in where things are heading. Absolutely. Nathan, man, this has been awesome. I want to make the most of your time and honor that. So I'm going to go ahead and transition us into our lightning round questions. So I have five questions for you. Uh, first thing that comes to mind will suffice. These are questions we've asked every founder. So question number one, if you could ingrain just one message into your entire team, what would that message be? We think about almost like a billboard, like if they had to walk past a billboard every day and just keep getting that message soaked into them, what message would you want baked into them? don't be afraid to start something new. Hmm. Why do you think that came to mind? Because I think sometimes, um, you know, 
calling an online lead or uh, jumping into a new program or things that you're not familiar with, I think a lot of times people put up that roadblock to say, well, you know, I, I haven't done that before. I haven't done this. And uh, back to the adaptability, you know, if something is new is coming to you from someone that has also been influenced, like for myself, a lot of things I bring to the table are things that I've been influenced from other people that are working um, to be adaptable. Don't be afraid of the new to realize that if you can jump out of your comfort zone, uh, you can get comfortable in the uncomfortable if you can mm. continue to jump into the uncomfortable. And, you know, and, and I think a lot of times that new thing is a pride, like, oh, this is the way I'm doing it. It's been working. This is new. I don't want to jump into that realm. So if you're not afraid to jump in the new or you encourage maybe to encourage the new, uh, it allows you to have a more open mind of, of learning. Love that. All right, question number two. What is the single best advice you've gotten about growing your business? And also, what was the worst? Best advice of growing my business is not to be afraid to grow. Hmm. Um, uh, the worst advice is uh, do it this way because it's worked before. It's worked in the past. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do it my way. Do it the old way. Don't even Don't entertain the new ways. Totally get that. Okay, number three. What currently causes you the most stress or worry as the leader of your organization? Making sure my people are taken care of. You know, I want to make sure that they have an abundant life. Um, you know, we all have struggles. Uh, I feel that when you become more of a management role is that um, the best leaders, you know, wear their um, feelings on their sleeves to be able, and, and I feel that, you know, if someone's going through pain or having a tough time or, you know, not to where they want to be at, um, you know, I put a lot of weight on my shoulders that there's a lot of people that are responsible, that I'm responsible for. Um, and to be that person that helps them, you know, step up to become the best version of themselves. And through that, it helps me become the best version of myself. So I guess stagnation uh, is fearful. Mm. Uh, it's uncomfortable. And when I see someone on my team be in pain, that's not being through, there's figuring out a solution to help them break through uh, that mental block that's getting them to that next step. Totally get that. Okay, question number four. What is your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? What's the exciting goal you have for the future of this? Um, I want to be doing, you know, I want to be serving north of a thousand families a year. Um, and I want to uh, double the growth of our network um, on an annual basis. Heck yeah. Awesome. Okay, number five is a little break from our uh, business questions, and we're going to play a game we call Back to the Future. Okay. So, if you could hop into a DeLorean, and you get to go back to your past, but the rule is, you can only tell yourself one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by. You're just there to deliver a message. You're not necessarily changing all the events. When would you go back in your past, and what message would you pass along to that younger version of yourself? don't procrastinate. You know, I, I think that, uh, if I knew some of the stuff that I knew today, uh, and to be more, um, more strategic in the growth model and, and have a better vision of what I was wanting to achieve, don't procrastinate because something's working at that moment and not foreseeing things that you need to be put in place for a, a future of freedom at an earlier time period. 
Um, I, I got so caught up in just doing the motions for so long. It was like, I'm just going to grind, 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 make these sales happen, which I did, but being more strategic about things I could put in place mm. to reach freedom faster. Yeah. Nathan, man, this has been awesome. It is so cool to see how much you've grown, what you've been able to do with this business. It's clear to see why you've been successful with much of what we talked about today. And I appreciate you coming on here and doing, like you said earlier, being able to pass on this wisdom to our audience and to me. I've taken a lot of notes today. So I really appreciate your time and your wisdom, my friend. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.